there and welcome to another episode of Right With Influence. We are up to episode 23 and if you're new to this game, let me give you a bit of a rundown. I'm going to chat about copywriting for about 10 to 15 minutes, maybe share some tips, techniques, mistakes to avoid and because Netflix has yet to commission my great country music sitcom set in East Yorkshire, it's hilarious. I'll also be using my incredibly creative talents to throw in a sketch or two. If this is your first time, you are in for a roller coaster ride of excitement. Now, if you've been here before, don't tell the new people any different, okay? I'm joking. If you've been here before, welcome back. I really, really like you. Okay, today I'm talking about buried treasure. And what I mean by that is when you hold something back in your marketing that your customers are really interested in, which that sounds crazy. Why would we do that? Well, This is very common and it often happens because we don't see things from the perspective of our customer. And sometimes the things that we're really proud of in our business, the things that we've worked really hard for, um, we want to talk about those things. And we make the assumption, or it's very easy to make the assumption that our customers are just as interested in those things. And sometimes this isn't the case. So, Let me illustrate with a a personal example from my family because my family has taught me so much in my life, particularly about humility. Um, If you're also from Yorkshire, I think you know what I mean. Uh, Growing up, there wasn't so much as a, tell us about your day, darling, as uh, why aren't you in bed? And uh, is there coal on the fire? So a few months ago, working on uh, some client copy and been working really hard on it done a lot of research feeling quite quite pleased with myself um and I even though I know it's a deadly sin dare I say it just a little bit of proud of uh, that I was about the work and then the phone rang and it was my dad and he asked me how work was going he's always interested he's always curious and really keen to know that I at least do have work on um and I told him really well I've just finished working with this company and they they improve the efficiency and safety of oncology treatment. You know your brother has that job at the library? Yeah. People can't get to the library at the moment. He's been delivering the books to people. Oh, that's nice. Nice. Amy, they let him drive the library van. He can stop anywhere that he wants for lunch. He's made something of himself. Yes, he has. Anyway, you mentioned that you had work? Yes, I had... Good that you're busy. I fell into the trap, a very common one, of thinking that something I felt was important and was proud about would be interesting to someone else. But look, this isn't just a therapy session for me. I swear this is related to copywriting because businesses do this all the time. And for the record, I should point out that my brother does live in Australia um, and he basically is living his best life. So I can't compete. Here's a business example of burying treasure in copy. A couple of years ago, uh, I was very lucky enough to be invited to speak at a conference in Florida for property management firms. Now, you know, I know it thinking that might sound a bit stuffy. It wasn't. Those people know how to party. In fact, that was the conference where I learned how to use Tinder. Not for me. One of the organisers was showing me how to use Tinder. This is a terrible start to a story, but I feel committed now. So, One of the organizers was showing me how to use Tinder, not because I wanted to use it. I just, I was curious. I didn't understand it. It was like when Pokemon came out and I just didn't know what it was. Anyway, 
she was showing me how you matched with people, how you'd swipe left if you weren't interested and you'd swipe right if you weren't to demonstrate. She swiped left a few and she swiped right a few to show me what happened. Well, the conference was pretty remote. And as I understand it, Tinder works by distance. So, well, let's just say that one of the guys that she swiped right on as a demonstration to me had also swiped right on her and he was an attendee. And I didn't see her most of the rest of the conference because she had to spend a fair bit of time hiding from her accidental match. It's heartbreaking. Anyway, as part of the conference, I was providing copy feedback on different websites. And there was one management firm's main headline that I was looking on the website and it was number one property management firm in, and then I, I sorry, I can't remember the, the exact location, but you get the gist, you know, the headline was all about them being number one in that particular area. Totally understand that they want to want to run with that. Being number one, that's a bold claim, builds trust, right? Except that at first glance, you know, it wasn't clear how they'd achieved that rank. And there is a lot of cynicism around as to what makes number one, who's voted you to be number one, you know, is it just your mum telling you that you're number one and you're really, really special and better than all the other kids? But joking aside, this isn't a ridiculous claim to want to run within your headline. You're very proud for, you know, whatever reason, you are allowed to say that you are number one in that area. But is it necessarily the number one thing that's going to tick the box of your customers? So if I'm renting a property and I'm looking for a property management firm to handle it, yeah, I want to be with a credible management firm and knowing they're the number one firm probably is going to hold some weight. But do you know what I want more than just the number one firm? I want tenants and I want rental income. And as I looked through the site, I saw something interesting, is that on average, they would find tenants in 15 days. Now that's pretty fast. And that means low vacancy rates. That means their clients can start earning income from their rental property faster. And my, my recommendation or something for them to explore was that lead with that. Um, you know, lead with what your audience is most interested in, the big thing that they're thinking about when they wake up in the morning, which probably is is not, God, I wish I was with the number one property management firm in my area. It is probably, I have this rental property, I can't afford to keep it empty, I need some good quality tenants, I need them fast, and I want them to look after the place. Now, I would still reference the fact that the company was number one, but I just probably wouldn't lead with it. I would leave with that promise and then use the number one rank information that they have as proof on the promise. So I'd have a headline to say, on average, our landlords get great tenants in just 15 days. And then below that, a subheading where you could say, you know, that's one of the reason these people ranked as number one management firm in wherever it was. So I want you to have a look at the way you talk about your business and product, particularly in that first impression headline or any time, a flyer, an email, when you're trying to give that first impression about your business, are you talking and making a bold claim about something that you are proud of or that customers are excited about? And you know what? Sometimes they are the same thing and that's fine. Maybe you've got a brand new product out, you've worked really hard on it and you know people are absolutely going to love it. But if you're talking about your excitement and not theirs, 
then you could be burying the treasure you need to get someone's attention and to make customers realize just how valuable you are. So sometimes our personal pride and excitement at our achievements can cloud our marketing judgment. But there's also another way that we can end up burying treasure. And by that, I mean failing to mention the things that customers love. And one of these is just by not paying attention and not listening to our customers and maybe not asking the right questions to find out what it is that they really love. So time for another story. Um, A while back, I had a bit of a tricky client. Now, if you listen to episode 21 about whether you should choose a niche as a copywriter, you'll know that this is... This is pretty rare because I have some strict filters in place and the clients that I end up working with are generally delightful, except this guy. And well, that's what I thought at the time. Um, Let's call him for anonymity's sake. Let's call him Gordon. I was hired to work with his department in an organization. And while I can't give specific details, I had a clear brief of the project. Let's call it Project X. (laughs) We're getting very mysterious now. Uh, We were going to build a strong sales message for his department, something I've done many times. And as a result, I had a pretty good idea and guidelines for what works and what doesn't in this type of engagement. Now, within minutes of our first video conference, this guy hated me. Now, it didn't help that I couldn't get my camera to work, so he couldn't see just how much I was smiling smiling my little face off to show that I'm a lovely person. Really, I am. Honestly, you'd like me. This this conversation, and I don't know if you've ever had this on conference calls with work, um, it went downhill very quickly. And the problem was that he was asking me to, to work in a way that didn't follow the usual process. And I knew the minute that he was telling me what he wanted, it wasn't going to work. We, it wasn't going to be a good experience. We weren't going to come up with a great sales message. So I kept coming back to the process, explaining the reasoning, you know, why we did things this way, why this was a better way than what he was suggesting. And not only would he not budge, despite I, I thought I was being very rational and, and logical at, at the time, but not only would he not budge, he was becoming more and more irate. And it just, it was not a fun call. We have various stakeholders, business unit heads, leadership teams of three, three executive committees, and we need everyone involved in writing this message. Right, so the limit that we have is is eight people. I know what your limit is, but these are important people. Oh no, I know. I don't think you do know. These people are incredibly important, and they're very busy, and they need to be involved. Uh, so we can't really have 48 people write a message. Um, what we could do is we could pick eight from that. That's not going to happen, Amy. Right. Um, I'm just thinking, so we've, we've got eight hours together to, to do this virtually and to have everyone on Zoom, I, I just don't think that's going to work. Look, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I do not have the warm and fuzzies right now about this project. Now you're going to have to go away and figure this out because we are not moving on this. Right. I've got another call. I'm very busy and very important. <laughs> I came off the call a little bit stunned. Actually, no, do you know what? I'm going to be really honest with you. I came off the call annoyed and then angry and then furious. And then we were getting up to white heat proportions. I'd been brought in to help. I knew how to help. And all I could see is that I was coming up against this brick wall. And then my imagination kind of got away from me. Um, 
Have you ever had that experience where you've had a difficult conversation with someone and then you carry it on in your head and you go back and you revisit it and then you find yourself coming up with all these incredibly eloquent and profound arguments that you, all the things that you should have said that would have enabled them to see things from your point of view. Well, I started doing that quite feverishly um, in my mind whilst I was cooking tea that night. And all I knew is that he lived near a ski resort, somewhere I would never, ever, ever visit in my life. I'm never strapping myself to a pair of skis ever. But that evening in my mind, I found myself in the French Alps. I said, look, love, that's not going to work. We do it this way and you're just going to have to figure it out. Gordon, he's just so damn assertive. I can't see how you'd be anything other than successful in life. I know what you mean. Who was that? They're setting up to ski down the most dangerous terrain there is. Nobody's ever tried that trail before. Think we're about to watch someone's demise. Oh God, and there's that acerbic wit of yours again. Let's have these hot toddies and see what unfolds. He actually made the dead man's curve. He's going for the jump. He's gonna do it. He's done it. A backflip, corkscrew, rodeo flip with a Lincoln loop and double cork. Oh, even I could do that. Don't say such a thing, Gordon. He's coming over. Pretty neat trick on the slopes there. Oh, thank you. Let me just, sorry, let me just uh, remove my mask. Wait, you're a girl. Yeah, you ski like a man. Well done. That was an amazing display of dexterity and courage and I can only imagine that you must be incredibly talented in all other areas of your life. What is it that you do? I'm a copywriter. Really? We're actually looking for a copywriter at the moment. It's an important project. We're working with someone now but I don't think she's got the chops. But I can tell you do. How about we uh, talk over a hot toddy about it? Would that be Project X? Gordon? Wait. How do you know my name? I bet she's seen you on the slopes. I um wasn't able to get my camera to work earlier for our conference call, so I'm not surprised you don't recognise me, but I definitely remember you. Amy, the copywriter. That's right, Gordon. And before you ask, yes, I do write as well as I ski. If you thought the rodeo flip with a Lincoln loop and a double cork was impressive, well, you haven't seen what I can do with a headline, bullet points, and a call to action. I, I didn't realise. No, you didn't, Gordon. And that's why you should be kind to everyone, especially people who are trying to help you. I'm sorry, Amy. You, you're right. I'll think about continuing with Project X, but for now, savour that hot toddy, Gordon, because it's the only thing that will be giving you the warm and fuzzies tonight. I can't be the only one who plays out these kinds of imaginary conversations in my head. Am I? No, I can't be, right? In fact, let me know. I want to know from you the last time that you won an imaginary argument against a very real adversary. I bet you were amazing. So the next day, I'd cooled down a bit. And as luck would have it, someone recommended me this really good book on negotiation. Uh, it's called Never Split the Difference, and I will link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's awesome. Now, I read this book and I was having this sort of tussle with Gordon and I thought this is going to help me bend him to my will and get 
everything the way I exactly want it. That's not how the book works. Um, It's based on the experience of an FBI negotiator. And one of the techniques it covers is actually how to listen to people. And not just how to listen, but how to show people that you are listening to them. What the book made me realise was that um, while I thought initially that Gordon was just being a bit of a dickhead, to be honest, he was actually giving me a lot of clues as to the treasure that he wanted. He was giving me the treasure map. He was saying, here's what I want. And I was not paying attention at all because what Gordon wanted was to feel that I was actually listening to him, that I was at least understanding why he was making the requests that he was. So every time he was asking me for something and I immediately explained, oh, the process doesn't work well that way, he felt fobbed off. So come our next call, I revisited the things that we couldn't agree on. And instead of doubling down on the rules, I asked him, you know, why why is that important to you? You know, why was it important to have all these people involved? Um, or if I thought I could, you know, infer what the meaning was, I would make a suggestion and, and say, you know, it sounds like, you know, you want this this way so that you can be confident this project will be worth your time, your investment, etc., etc. And then I just let him talk and I tried to make notes of the things that I thought were really important to him. And then I found that I actually had a much better picture about what was really going on. And by doing this, I was able to surface what he really wanted. I found the kind of the treasure, the key points that were really important to him. And we were actually able to do the project and give him what he wanted without changing too many rules. So we were happy on both sides. So how can you apply this kind of thinking, this sort of following the clues to the treasure, how can you apply that in your copy and in your marketing? One of the easiest ways to do this is actually to talk to previous customers. Um, And I can usually guarantee that what your customers love about you. It's probably not your awards. Um, I'm not saying that they're not important. This is really key. Those things are incredibly important for, um, you know, building your credibility. But in terms of talking to the heart of something that your customer really, really loves and gets excited about, it's probably not those things. So instead, you want to be paying attention when you speak to your customers, uh, things like, you know, after working with you or after experiencing your product, what got easier for them in their life? What challenges do they no longer have to struggle with? What things were they doing before that was a real burden that now have disappeared and are no longer on their to-do list because you came into their life and eliminated uh, that frustration? And also, you know, try and, and listen to what was enjoyable about working with you? You know, ask them, was there anything that surprised you? And it may be something simple like, you know what, you answered my phone call within three rings or there was always a prompt response or you answered all my questions no matter how simple they were. If you can speak to previous customers, this is great information to get back and to feed into your future marketing. So that's what I'd like you to take away from today's episode. Have a little copywriting inventory check just look at the headlines that you're using and are the big promises they make you're making are the things you're leading with are they stuff that you're proud of or is it stuff that your customers really interested in make sure you're not burying that treasure by not talking about it 
And if you're not 100% certain what that treasure is, talk to previous customers, go looking for it and they will give you that treasure map. They'll give you the clues to the stuff that they love and then go dig it out, whack it in your copy and let's all make some wonderful sales together. That's all for this episode. If you have a burning copy question, if you're not quite sure your headline works or you're struggling to structure a sales page or if you've got questions about being a copywriter, you can leave a comment on the episode page over at Write With Influence or you can email me directly at hello at writewithinfluence.com. I read every single email I get. I hope your week ahead is looking bright for you. Maybe wake up laughing from a joke that someone told you in your dream. How does that happen? How can we tell ourselves a punchline we weren't expecting? But most of all, remember, sometimes the things we are proud of in our business are not the things customers love. Oh, I am starving. Me too. This place looks nice. Uh, hello, are you looking for somewhere to have lunch? Yeah, possibly. We're both pretty hungry. Wonderful. Is there a menu? Charles and Camilla once ate here. We have their photo on the wall if you'd like to see that. So just come on through and... What kind of food are you... We won the Artisan Foodie Award in 2018. We are organic, a fair trade and only deal in ethical practices. Our chef makes his own refined Persian jam and he recently signed a deal with Selfridges to stock it, not Asda. He turned Asda down. Yes, he's a very passionate man. He's driven, he's ambitious, worked his way up from nothing and now... Look at this restaurant where he can serve people his dreams in a dish. You are very lucky that we have any availability. So, table for two. Um, Possibly, do you know what, gosh, I just remembered I got something to do um, somewhere first. But then, do you know what, we probably will come back. God, that was a bit much. Let's let's have a look here. Now then, ladies. Do you like meat, steak, sausages, burgers and chicken? All marinated in a choice of flavours, whether you like something mild or fiery. And we accompany that with either healthy steamed vegetables or chunky triple fried chips that crunch and then melt in the mouth, but stay with you in the mind for hours. You can have your meat in a choice of freshly baked bread, or you can go low-cal and we'll rush you up some brown rice. Tell me, do you love food that tastes so good that you wish your companion, even your loved one, just be quiet while you eat, so you can focus all your senses on it, and then feel nicely full, without being uncomfortable afterwards. I, 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 I do. Then I think you'll like what we have. What's more, I might look like a man with a van, but behind here, cosy, covered courtyard, with heaters and comfortable couches and plenty of table space. What do you say? Marry me?